Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Big Honker Podcast. We appreciate everybody that's tuning in. Squad Fest is over, and man, what a success that was. Great time, for sure, in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, it was it was very, very nice being able to see everybody out there just enjoying some freedom. Um, this podcast is up on YouTube now, so be sure to go head over to YouTube, subscribe to it, and uh, you can watch all the shenanigans unfold. This podcast is brought to you by the one and only Dive Bomb Industries, maker of Squad Fest. Um, they put on a hell of an event. And I got to tell you, seeing everything that they offer, it's insane. They're not just a decoy company. They got bags. They got clothing. They got their hands in so many things. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be a part of their company. And uh, they still make the best silhouette that's on the market right now. Uh, as the, as the days tick on in summertime, it is time to start getting ready for hunting season. So check out Dive Bomb Industries for anything that you're going to need, whether it's apparel, whether it's a nice new gun case, whether it's a floating bag, or if it's decoys, be sure to get the bags. You got to get the bags if you get the silhouettes. They got to pack up, keep everything nice and tidy. Go to DiveBombIndustries.com, get everything that you're going to need because the season is right around the corner. This podcast is also brought to you by Bangtail Whiskey. It's a traditional corn mash whiskey aged in charred new American oak barrels. You'll find a pleasant aroma of vanilla and spice before galloping into notes of nougat, sweet corn, and a lingering caramel finish. Built on a dream aged 25 years, it's handcrafted Bangtail Whiskey, and it makes for the perfect sip for the perfect drink during summertime. I know I love my whiskey sours with Bangtail Whiskey. Uh, you can order them straight from their website, and you can get whiskey shipped straight to your door, and it is delicious. I cannot I cannot recommend it enough. Bangtailwhiskey.com. It's good shit. We're also brought to you by Pacific Calls. The boys at Pacific Calls, I tell you what, they cleaned up. They cleaned up house up there at Squad Fest and... Uh, now they got their sights turned on to game fair here in just a little bit, but uh, good dudes, man. I tell you what, seeing them uh, interact with some of the younger kids at this squad fest was was really really touching. So uh, they make a great call. They've got great customer service. <clears throat> They've revamped their short goose call to two hundred six, and I tell you what, they still got one of the best duck calls that I think I've ever ever ran in the pcd so and if you check out their apparel you can get one of the world famous Andy that's Shaver right shirts. that's right we need to uh we got we're gonna have to pick a winner for that yeah so right now the uh the world famous andy shaver t-shirt is it'll be coming up on their online store you can get it and get a nice goose call or duck call coming your way that sold pretty well at the at the squad fest so i was pleased so go check them out pacificcustomcalls.com Get a premium acrylic call sent your way. We're also brought to you by Boss Shot Shells, all-American made. Hits like a freight train. Bismuth, it's back in style. Copper-plated bismuth. I love me some Boss. So many people came up to us and said, you know what? We started shooting Boss. We've been shooting been shooting some of that cheaper stuff, and uh, we don't mind forking over some of the extra dollar bills because Boss is worth it. And uh, they've got the money bag, and it's just cool, you know, they're bringing the sub-gauge culture back, and that's uh, that's cool to be a part of. I love me some boss, though. They will Good be people. at the DUX uh, Festival at Texas Motor Speedway the weekend of June 27th and 28th. Yeah, whatever it is. And then they'll also be at Game Fair with us, or we'll be there with them. So yes. we look forward to that. But check them out, bossshotshells.com, and uh, get you a case, and you can experience the difference yourself. You'll never go back, I promise. We're also brought to you by... Goose Creek Retrievers, Mr. Matt Peel, up in Maryland. Ah, I tell you what, the guy knows his shit when it comes to dog training. It's it's always a lot of fun talking to him. We've got a little bi-monthly uh, segment that we do with him all about dog training. Um, whatever you need, whether you've got a new puppy and you're needing somebody to uh, potty train it, housebreak it, or if you're trying to get a dog ready for the field, Matt Peel is the trainer that I would send my dog to. He's, I, I follow him on Instagram. Just watch him for a little bit. It's amazing the thing that he has some of the dogs doing. Um, and, you know, he doesn't sugarcoat how he does it. It's, uh, it's kind of, he's kind of got an old school trainer mentality. 
and uh, he puts out some fantastic dogs from start to finish. So um, if, you, if you're looking to send your dog somewhere, if you're looking for a new puppy, or if maybe you've just hit a, a roadblock in your training and you need somebody to talk to, Matt Peel's the man. So go check him out at Goose Creek Retrievers. <clears throat> We're also brought to you by Dirty Duck Coffee. They've got a new blend out, the Missouri Boat Ride. It's a nice medium blend. Uh, it's fantastic. I like the high velocity personally because I'm a I'm a caffeine guy, but Dirty Duck Coffee, it's the way I start my morning every single day with a cup of the duck because my coffee does not suck. I drink Dirty Duck Coffee. They've also got some sweet-looking swag out, so if you're wanting to represent the duck, go to their website, Dirty Duck Coffee, and... Uh, get it headed your way but dirty duck coffee it's the way i start my morning out here every single day uh dirtyduckcoffee.com we're also brought to you by gun dog outdoors keep your pooch safe and secure with the patented quick release system i use it every day on lou um no matter you know what we're doing i strap his big ass in and he does not move until i want him to so it's a nice safety measure whether your dog is one that likes to uh, go when the shot is called or not, you know, all it takes is one accident. The quick release system, slap it onto the collar, and that dog doesn't get to go anywhere until you, uh, until you say so. Um, they've also got a field trauma kit that I think every hunting blind and every pickup needs. Go to gundogoutdoors.com. Um, they've also, they're proud to introduce a new training bumper. It's time to start getting your dog out there training, getting some of the rust off, getting them back in shape. And uh, basically, if, 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 if it comes to your four-legged friend, Gundog Outdoors is the company to go check out because they've got some great, great, great products for your four-legged hunting buddy. Go check them out, gundogoutdoors.com. We're also brought to you by Lucky Duck. Four people, best day frame. Uh, they've got the best spinners out there. Waterproof, you don't have to worry about it. If, if, you're, if your spinner takes a... Takes a dive in the water, you just pull it out and keeps on a ticking. They've also got uh, a fantastic new dog kennel for the big boys like Luke. LuckyDuck.com. It's five-star crash test rated, so you don't have to worry about anything happening to your buddy that's back there. Put them in the put them in the crate. Away you go. This podcast is also brought to you by the Looking Glass Duck Club podcast. Uh, they're up on Patreon now, so. You pay uh, a little little premium fee each month, and then you get to listen. The bourbon reviews are free for everybody. They come out on iTunes and Spotify and all that all that good stuff. But they are back, boys and girls. You know, everybody put enough pressure on them. They had to come out of retirement. So the Looking Glass Duck Club podcast is back. They're up on Patreon. Uh, you go through Patreon, pay your monthly subscription, and then you get uh, premium access to all of the. All the good things going on with Logan and Reb. Had the pleasure of hanging out with him all weekend at the at the Squad Fest. It's a very he's, it's a very good time. He's very entertaining. I highly recommend you checking out the Looking Glass Duck Club podcast on Patreon. And we've got a giveaway with them. So you listen to them on Patreon. Here in a couple episodes, they will release uh, the details. There will be a code word. You will comment that code word into their Patreon site. And that is how we're going to pick a winner for a six-person goose hunt giveaway. How many days is it? Two days? It's two days. Six people, two days, lodging and meals. Come in two morning goose hunts, get a hunt with the world-famous Andy Shaver, and get to see Jeff Stanfield. So go check them out, like, uh, Looking Glass Duck Club podcast, and it's on, uh, it's on the Patreon site. This podcast finally brought, brought to you by, by Sight Drones which we have pipeline inspections, wind turbine inspections, well pad inspections, power line inspections, solar panel inspections. So if you have anything in the outdoor business, outdoor stuff, oil-related, construction, farming, they can take care of you. They support drain tile survey, do stand counts, ranch land inspections, severe weather inspections, livestock counts, and watershed mapping. Folks, it's 2021, and drones are part of our world. Eyesight drones can do it all. Construction, farming, ranching, oil, Every industry can use it. It's so much easier and quicker, and they can get stuff done. They can do 3D modeling, volumetrics, aerial site mapping, and job site monitoring, and that's iSight Drones, and that's iSightDrones.com. takes the guesswork out of everything. You just call them, and they tell you everything about your land that you need to know. iSight Drone Service. We're happy to have them on board. 
That's all of them. This uh, this episode. Whoa, 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 whoa. We forgot about Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. Oh, Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. Look us up at stanfieldhunting.com. Okay. Now that's all of them. Yep. Man, what a plug for your own company. Been in business almost 30 years. Dove season's coming up. If you still need a place to go this September or October, give us a holler. Come in October. We're sold out in September. Come in October. We're sold out in September. If you need a uh, goose hunt, better get a hold of Jeff pretty quick because those dates are also filling up. Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this episode of the podcast, we're joined by Britt Morris. He is from the great state of Arizona. We talk about Arizona waterfowl hunting. Uh, he also travels quite a bit, tries to get, uh, you know, three or four states under his belt every year. So we talk about his travels. We talk about going into Canada, and uh, it's, a, it's a fun podcast. We met him at, uh, at the Squad Fest, and real good dude. Hangs out, with, hangs out with other good dudes. So a lot of fun. Hope you enjoy it. Here we go, Britt Morris. Welcome to the Big Honker Podcast, brought to you by Lucky Duck Decoys. I am Jeff Stanfield with the world famous Andy Shaver. Speaking of Lucky Duck, did you see that new product that they're coming out with? It's like it's got like a fan that you can put in the uh, the dog kennel. No, but that's not a bad idea Looks at all. Pretty badass. Runs off of uh, I think you can charge it and it has like six to ten hour uh, battery life. Why do I? No one's ever thought about that before. That's a damn good idea. But uh, brand new product that Lucky Duck's coming out with, and it's gotten like I think there's a pad too for the. For the kennels, but and I guess it's specific to their kennels, so it's got a keypad like a security pad on it. The air conditioner? No, no, no. The the, the pad on the I thought you meant a pad that the dog lays on, like oh, a okay. cushion. Oh, that's good. Cushion, taking care of that pooch. So Lou's gonna be uh, in air conditioned. Oh, pad the whole style way. now. The whole way. Well, he he doesn't like riding in a kennel anyway. That so. sounds really good. All right, with us today from Goodyear, Arizona, our friend Britt Morris. Britt, how you doing? Good. How are you guys? We're doing good. Well, it's just a couple days ago you were fucking drinking beer with us, having a good time, and now we're back into the heat. Well, heat minus humidity. Yes, yeah, that was uh, that was pretty rough with the humidity, but I best guess it could have been worse. But it's uh, it's 117 today here, and uh, I'm staying inside all day. I'm not even not even going to look outside. <laughs> I can tell you now that if we would have had one of those kennels with a fan in it, we'd have had that fan hooked up to us this weekend. That was <laughs> St. Louis was very warm. It was warm. It was uh, one of the warmer days I can remember back in the Midwest. I used to go to Cardinal games and stuff this time of year, and 90 with 90% humidity is not, not the most enjoyable, but, but, uh, but we made it happen. It was fun. I can't imagine going to a baseball game like that. Yeah. Oof. It was a good time, though. It, I mean, yeah start to finish like it was a it was they had it on they had everything had everything dialed in it was a good time yeah super super uh, well organized and it was fun like they kept us busy the whole time with the uh, cornhole and the calling and everything it was fun uh, got a got a tour of the warehouse and all good people did uh, did the calling contest go like you uh you hadn't uh seen it coming going yeah I just, on the especially on the open goose you know that's kind of the guy like you guys have talked about before a lot of people can can blow a duck call fairly well and but when you uh when you cut down on a single read that's uh on a goose single read that is um a short read those are uh those are the guys that uh really have the big talent and a lot of big names there hunter grounds and and trevor shanahan robbie they they put on a good show yep robbie uh shanahan his best round i think his best round was his third round so yeah, I think. Yeah, I agree. A lot of there was a uh, the the guy from uh, Minnesota. He had a pretty good third round too. I I don't know. I thought they were all very good, but um, you could tell like Hunter uh, Grounds. I think going into it, he was like four points up or something, and he kind of slipped a note that third round. And anyway, it was good all around. It was. I thought there were some good callers and good to uh, good to see it. Anyway, 
makes it makes a big difference. It, it is fun seeing the big boys uh, go go up onto the stage and and then rip. So, but now it's uh, it's back to the heat. Back to the heat. Yeah, we're uh, one sixteen tomorrow and one eighteen Thursday, Friday. It's uh, kind of in the dog days right now. So, uh, it's pretty pretty miserable time of the year. But you know, we get five six months of seventy five eighty eighty degree weather. So, so when will that perfect. happen? When when do you get out of like the triple digits? Uh late August, September. You know, the the really hot stuff end of August, I would say. September it's still pretty warm. Like when we get into our duck season here, um, which is mid October, you know, we've seen it. You'll you'll go hunt and it's really cold at night and you know sixty five seventy really cold for Arizona, I guess. But um, yeah, by like nine ten o'clock in the morning it's 90 95 degrees so heats up quick and i just can't imagine ducks and geese coming to this state you and me both yeah i moved out here from southern illinois um in 2009 and i kind of just figured you know uh if i want to keep my waterfowl career going it's just gonna i'm just gonna have to bite the bullet and travel but wanted to get out of where i was and just try something new so um Ended up taking a job in, in the ag industry here, and I was in uh, after after college, so that was 2011, 12 in that time. So uh, when I started getting around the farming community and, and stuff like that, and obviously we have not a lot of big water here, but we have canal systems, obviously, that feeds us all, you know, from Lake Mead and Lake Powell. So um, the water that is here usually will hold ducks, you know, if they don't get pressured uh, a lot. And, uh, you know, with the ag around, it's unlimited food year round. So, uh, to my surprise, when I did get into that industry and into those areas, started finding, you know, decent concentrations of birds. And, you know, especially when California is dry, um, you know, even Salt Lake and stuff like that, they get cold temps or it's, it's dry in Cali California, you know, it kind of funnels the funnels the birds to us. So are these like, do you have residents there that are there all year round or is it, uh, is there a big migration or both? Yeah, both, both kind of, I wouldn't say, you know, the, the resident population is huge, but there are, um, you know, I've got a couple places that we actually built, um, uh, and flood some corn and flood some, you know, sedan and stuff like that. And, uh, those little ponds, you know, it'll have on an acre pond, there'll be four or five mallards that have broods and the, and the broods are pretty successful here. We just don't have the predators and, you know, the, the water levels are pretty consistent in those spots. So, uh, I don't know why the hell they stay here because it's so hot. Uh, but, uh, I couldn't imagine wearing that winter coat through 117 degrees, but they do. And they seem to do well here. And during our peak migration, you might see 20 to 30,000 ducks within, you know, phoenix and yuma i would say you know and you know in one spot there might be uh you know four or five thousand birds that are stacked up but um i would say decent for where we're at with the number of hunters we have and and the amount of pressure that they get will you go to uh do you go up north and hunt much like towards flagstaff area that's a whole different arizona so weird because you've got the the desert area which i think of which is i, I always figure is at least 70 percent of arizona then you get the mountainy area the mountains up north do you hunt up that way much um i don't a lot i'll go up there early season you know it's just kind of almost like with you guys in september or uh you know shooting early teal you know if you go up into the mountain range uh, you can get into them then if you get a true migration day you know i've seen you know big flights of pintails come into the mountains and stuff but uh me growing up in the midwest kind of in in and around a lot of agriculture um not really a big lake hunter and up there it's you know it's just so hit or miss there's not any ag it's basically you're hunting on top of a volcano and you know you're hunting in big game country really so it's uh not big waterfowl and you know me being two two and a half hours away you know here in the valley it's hard to get up and put a good scout in to, to get on any any really really good hunt but i've i've been up there and done it a couple times so I'm assuming water is a huge asset to have around Phoenix. Absolutely. Yeah. Water's name of the game, you know, and that's what I was saying. Like, you know, in Texas there where you guys are, you guys have big, big lakes and, uh, you know, reservoirs and stuff that, you know, that's kind of your roost, I guess. And 
here we have just a lot of canal systems. Every once in a while, it'll hit a you know a reservoir or something like that that will hold a pretty decent number of birds. And uh, if you can get get in between those those bigger bodies of water and some ag, uh, usually you can be pretty successful. But just like anywhere in the in the country or world, scouting is the name of the game, and it's a it's almost full time job here in the winter, just trying to trying to stay on the birds. Now, what's the main uh, crop that they'll get on is it barley no it's actually alfalfa we do like uh, uh, a lot of alfalfa hay and um you know in texas where you guys are when it when it does get dry uh you guys have kind of a rough year uh we send a lot of hay from from arizona back to texas so a lot of mom and pop shops there you know retail hay and stuff like that so um but like right now um we're at the end of our wheat harvest right now so right after that they're going to plant cotton and you know you get you get further down towards Yuma and stuff. It's a lot of produce, lettuce, and stuff like that. But when not, when we're hunting in November, December, we're hunting in mainly alfalfa, but we do hunt barley and wheat fields. But that barley and wheat is just coming up. It's almost like spring snow hunting. You know, for a lot of guys, they're they're hunting those winter wheat fields and stuff that are coming up. Yeah. Um, so so it, it's it it's like a green field that you guys are in most of the time. Yeah, green. Yeah, it's yeah between the alfalfa and the and the barley and wheat. Yeah, pretty much everything is green here. You know, if it's dead, it's it's already been harvested or you know something like that or something else is being replanted in it. So not a lot of stubble fields or anything like that. When when does your season start? So in the in the mountains, I think we're they're like early September or maybe mid or sorry mid October, and then down here in the desert, we're first part of November. So we actually run. If you wanted to, you know, add up the mountain season uh, with the desert, we have about a 102, 103-day season in Arizona. So, um, but I mainly, like I said, just hunt the desert. So, you know, we get 90 days of to get after them and liberal limits. So it, it can be good at times. But when it's slow, it's when it's dead, it's dead. And when it's good, it's good. So there's still a chance that when you start hunting, it could be hot. Most of the time, that early season, you know, we'll we'll go out just because you got to go out. It's opening day. It's opening. Everyone's excited. So um, we try to get our birds by 8 a.m. and get out because if not, you know, you're you're going to be in that 95 to maybe 100 degree temps and even mid-November sometimes. Do the birds still fly even though it's hot like that? They do. And like you said, uh, talking about the resident population those birds will will fly will sometimes you know if it does get cold up north salt lake or or wherever and you might get some calendar birds that pushes them out so we'll get some of those but not a real great flight just like a human or a big game you know once it gets hot they don't want to move so that early morning flight will happen and then it's pretty dead after that yeah i i, I can imagine so what's so i mean do you go most of the hunting season just in like short sleeve shirt in the morning it's it's crazy because you know we don't have a lot of humidity here so the desert at night is really cold so we'll bundle up like if we're four-wheeling in or or whatever um and then once you get there you kind of strip down and you're in t-shirt and you know being the waiters that time of year if you do have to hunt water which i hate to hunt water that time of the year but um yeah it can get it can get warm so but we actually do get cold temps you know moving in later than end of the season december january how cold uh, I've seen skim ice will be 18, 19 okay. degrees. So you that's know, cold. Down, down in some of those lower areas, uh, but it heats up quick too. You know, we'll we'll go from on those days it'll 18 in the morning by 9, 10 a.m. You know, or 75, 80 sometimes. Wow. Do uh, yeah, big swing. That's, that's a big swing. Do you uh like Havasu? Does it hold any kind of waterfowl? It does. Um, I tell you that lake is just depending on the time of the year, you know, it gets a lot of traction from bass fishermen and, uh, they do some guided, you know, fishing stuff out there. So, um, there's a little place North of it. It's actually across the border, um, into California. It's like a, a bigger marsh and, um, they'll actually hold a pretty decent number of snow geese, you know, once they kind of move down and they'll, they'll hold birds there, but it's like, you know, have a Sioux itself. It, it doesn't hold any big, big numbers. That's a big like part. Is that, that a pretty place to go to? It's pretty, yeah. Spring break, it's really pretty. There's a lot of scenery. <laughs> Arizona State, I mean, all of, all Arizona colleges, like the eye candy there, you see them on social media, and Arizona's got a lot of hot chicks go there. 
lot of hot chicks, and then you get the California schools come, UCLA, or you know, all all those people come over too. You know, it's either like Rocky Point, Cabo, or Lake Havasu. So you go to one of those three spots during spring break, and you're gonna see gonna see some good stuff. Mm. So which state do you have? What which one has the prettier girls, California or Arizona? I just hate California in general, so <laughs> I'm gonna say Arizona. <laughs> You know, it's funny because most everyone I've met from California, well, everyone I've met from California that hunts is a great guy. Every one of them, they're just like we are. They're just stuck in a liberal, fucked up state. Yeah, but, they're they're the minority there, right? Yeah, uh, there's there's a lot of good guys in California. It's just yeah, they're outnumbered. Last Arizona guy we had on here come out spouting off about California, John Manny, and he had everybody oh, yeah. he had everybody in California pissed off for a long time. Oh yeah, yeah. No, they're. You know, there's there's a lot of people like uh, being in the ag industry, like uh, the Salton Sea down through there. It's kind of the Imperial Valley. There's about a half million acres of ag ground, and it's a lot of produce and stuff. You know, they're all like-minded guys. A um, lot of a lot of guys here are you know farmers anyway. They're big game guys, not a lot of waterfowl guys. But um, you know, yeah. It's, as far as California, you just kind of stay away from L.A. and San Francisco and everywhere else. You go north and. Uh, kind of into the farm country. Those are those are our kind of people. Now I think Arizona, y'all are getting indoctrinated with California, Californians. I don't, think, I don't think indoctrinated is a word. I think inundated is the inundated? word. Inundated, <laughs> inundated is the word, not indoctrinated. Yeah, that'd be right. Flooded. You're right. Flood, yeah, flooded very much. So yeah, we w- our population, like you know, we've been since 2018 about a hundred thousand people added to the population every year. Um, 2021, like I was just looking, they were showing 7.6 million is our population, and I got to imagine by the end of this year we'll be we'll be pushing eight because it's just the the housing and the commercial, you know, the the tax just for tax purposes, just like people moving into Austin and and all these other places, Idaho, they're they're just trying to get out of there. So it's it's frustrating to see here because not only with my job, I'm losing farm makers to concrete. And people, but you know those people are bringing a lot of their uh, California mentalities to Arizona, so that's a little frustrating. But you know, just uh, just trying to make the best of it, just try to try to really avoid those people and just do me. So is what it is. You imagine what's going to happen if them fuckers in California ever figure out that the Dakotas and Nebraska and Kansas are great places to live? They, uh, I hope they don't. Well, me I, too. I hope. I hope those places are too too rural for them that uh, they don't go into those areas and and start you know changing those places either. I mean, you can already see it. Like you guys were talking to Ted Wells the other day um, with Bozeman. Like Bozeman was just a little spot on the map and just a, a pretty place, and uh, it's not far from California. So those people are moving there, uh, doing the same thing. So it's frustrating. What uh, you said, urbanization is a real problem there. You, have you lost like any good hunting ground recently? Lots of hunting ground. You know, here there's yours, you know, between Onyx and uh, plot maps and county assessor maps and everything like that. You know, you're always trying to be that quarter mile away from a structure. You know, there's nothing there. And then the next year it is there. Um, you know, there was there's ground that I hunted geese in last year and and field mallards and stuff like that and they're they're buildings now. Um, I've kind of seen it coming, so luckily you start scouting into different areas where where birds are going to push out and stuff. So it's it's difficult though. It's uh, like I said, it's constant in the in the winter. It's a full time gig. You know, when I get off work, the the first thing I do is go scout because the birds are just on the move. You can only hunt so many places here. You know, a field might be stacked up, but, you know, between houses or, or whatever, you know, it's just, it's getting tough. Are there a lot of other hunters out there? Like, are you having to compete with other people out there, or do you pretty much have the run of the mill? Not a lot of, not a lot of competition five years ago, and then as as we've grown with population here, just kind of more people moving in. So, starting to see more duck hunters that are moving in, uh, you know, from other places that are looking around. So, a little more competition, but still... Uh, still opportunities. I never think of Arizona as a waterfowl state. Now, just and I'm, I think most people don't. I think of it as old people, golf courses, <laughs> and lots of Mexicans. Well, you're, that's that's pretty much right. That's pretty much <laughs> on the head. But uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. I I've always told people, you know, when 
when I was in Southern Illinois, Southern Illinois, you know, we had that big, big population of Canada geese back in the day. Then between no-till farming and, and uh, you know, more food availability and not as cold of winters, you know, we stopped getting them and we started focusing on mallards because we still had those. And I kind of hit the heyday of, of duck hunting there. And I was like, I'll, I'll never see this again in my life. Just, just kind of hit it at the right time in the right spot where I was. And I moved to Arizona and just kind of accepted that, like I said, I was just, just going to have to travel. And um, throughout the last five, six years that I've really been going hard and found a good group of guys to run with, uh, best hunts and best memories of duck hunting are right here in Arizona. How did you find the group that you're with right now? Um, a lot through uh, either hunting shows or like Ducks Unlimited. I mean, Arizona is a melting pot state you know everyone's from everywhere else i'm in illinois the the two guys that are that i really run with are from iowa um you know so through du events you know uh, outdoor events just kind of talking and you know all of us wanted to go hard and you know now between those two guys and there's of course we have more guys in our group that live in other states and stuff but you know we travel uh four or five times a year put thirty thousand miles on trucks and uh we're all relatively young still and and uh a lot of wives are mad at at some of the other buddies but kids are starting but we've been able to really run it hard these last couple years so it's been a lot of fun now where all would you travel to do you go to like states right around where you are like california utah or do you travel travel i stay even for work i try not to go to california i try to just call those guys (laughs) but yeah uh, we go north a lot um obviously we we had three three trips planned to go to Canada last year, and obviously COVID kind of kind of knocked us out there. So we were scrambling to go places. But um, yeah, every everywhere that we want to go hunt is far from Arizona. You know, like minimum twelve hour drive. So the you know Idaho, Oklahoma, Kansas, um, Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota. We always try to like last year we couldn't we couldn't do uh, Canada, so we went to Early Goose and in North Dakota, and that was a lot of fun. We've actually done that the last five years so that's always been a fun trip did you have any luck in north dakota hit or miss man it's uh the the area we were in uh they got hit by a snowstorm late and they couldn't get their corn out so a lot of it just got dissed under um so not a lot of weed around um there's a lot of water but um you know between other pressure and stuff around um when you did find birds it was good but finding them or getting on a on a, on a true flight path in between food and water in that time of the year, you know, they're not, they're not flying far. They don't, they don't want to fly far for food. It's hot. So, um, we had good days, you know, that one day we'd, we'd have a banger, kill 20, 30 geese. Uh, the next day you kill four or five and it's just like back to, back to tearing up gravel roads and finding the next good one. So it was fun, but it's always difficult that time of year. Yeah. And not the, them not flying makes it so difficult because, you know, <clears throat> I've seen it to where they literally hop out of the water hole to the you know sometimes they'll walk out it's like well how the hell are you gonna hunt that like you're just gonna blow them off the roost whenever you go in and set all your shit up so it early season's tricky because you want a place you know that's relatively close to the roost but not too close to the roost and like it's hard to traffic them that time of year because they're not flying very far so early season's tough early season's very difficult like you just said they'll walk out so that so the roost is also the loaf and it's mm-hmm. uh you know they're they're walking into either a cut wheat field or sometimes even a standing wheat field and they go eat and then they go sit back down and have a drink and they don't move so yeah that you you find a nice three four hundred bird you know roost that time of year and it's like you, you just can't do anything with those birds unless you just literally went in there and blew them out and you know um yeah so that's that's difficult but Every once in a while, you'll hit you'll hit a good field and and, uh, and get it right. So oh, sure. it's still fun just just to be up there. It's we kind of look at it as just kicking off our waterfowl season. You know, we know we're not going to go up and shoot big big numbers, right. but uh, it's just something to kind of get going. So, um, do you think if Canada's open this year, y'all going to try to go up there and get that trip off the ground? No question, no question. Yeah, like. We'll do whatever it takes to get in. Um, I, I I got vaccinated last uh, whatever uh, April or something, and solely did it to get into Canada. Uh, by the off chance that they would have opened, they didn't, and now I regret it. Now I just I hear you guys talking about just let's just get a faulty or a, a phony card, fake fake <laughs> COVID card. Now that's what I wish I would have done. So, but uh, but yeah, we we definitely will go up probably September, and then 
we have a group of guys from Iowa that we're talking about going in October, so we'll probably go September, October if they open. Have, uh, go did, ahead. Uh, talking about the vaccine, I had a guy message me today that's a podcast guy. He said he had to get the vaccine. Um, his wife's pregnant, and he had to get it. And he said his, he didn't have any taste or anything, and after he got his vaccine, he got all his taste and smell back normal. Really? Yeah, and he said, boy, that, that alone right there was worth it. And I'm thinking, Motherfucker. I'm not going to have to disagree with you on that because my my taste is horrible now. But he said he got all his taste Everything and smell back. back after he took his vaccine. Well, I saw that, but I didn't I didn't. Oh, read you the, saw the same thing, too. Yeah, I didn't read the message. Yeah, that's what he said. I thought that was kind of interesting. What do you think the chances of Canada opening? I'm saying it's less than 10%. Why? I guess, why do you think that at this point, just with COVID and just how liberal they are kind of with, op- I mean, they had talks, Biden and him talked the other day and about opening and then obviously uh, they they said no to opening it. So they're extending that again. Um, but why, why do you not think they're going to open, I guess? Well, just for that- Trudeau is a liberal fucker. We all know that. They don't care about the people that are there. They've shut down all their businesses. If they were worried about it for the economy, they would have had fishing open this summer because that's a lot bigger business than the hunting business is, and they didn't do that. I just don't think they'll be open until – I think time they get all the kinks worked out, and you're going to have to jump through – anyway, first of all, if they do open it up, I think you're going to have to be quarantined for 10 to 14 days before you're allowed to go anywhere. So they're going to have a hotel set aside and put you in it for 10 to 14 days before they're going to let you go running through the site. I just I don't think they'll have it open this year. I think, and, I, and I'm going to stick to this. I think when it does open in 2022, to go up there to hunt, you're going to have to hunt with an outfitter, and you're going to have to have guns that's provided by that outfitter. I don't think they're going to let you bring guns across the deal. What does that's that have just to do with COVID? Fat, that's just going to be part more part of it. I think it's the whole situation. I don't think it's just a COVID deal. I think it's guns, COVID, Americans bringing guns and ammo across the whole thing. I think it's sixty forty. They open. But you have to have a two-week quarantine. I do think that they're going to have something to that effect. How many guys can afford to sit around for two freaking weeks sitting in a damn Canadian hotel doing nothing just to get to go hunt? I, I can't afford it, but MasterCard can, so I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what – I mean, but how many guys can be gone for 21 days to get a hunt seven? Yeah, that's going to be – yeah, that's – I mean, with our crew, obviously – between kids and stuff, it's going to be tough if they do that, but I'm still going. It's going to be. I, I got to be there for a month quarantine. I'm going. It's going to be a divorce maker for some old boys. <laughs> the yeah. one sitting next to me on the left right now, if, if, if we, it opened up and we said, you know, we're going to go to Canada and go hunt. Just the guys are going to go in October. There's no way you could afford you. Jesse would let you go set for 40. And I don't blame her. I'm not going to go set for 14 days in a fucking hotel. That ain't happening. Well, I mean, do you, are you saying like me, like I am now with, with kids and stuff, yeah. Or like with the podcast and with Dove Season and with all my other if, obligations, if you had or a, just me. If you had a free week to go hunting or a three I'd, weeks in October, which you don't have, right. there's not very many people first that has three weeks to kill. Right. You know, and then there's very few men whose wives are going to let them do that even if they had free time. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know. I just don't see it happening this year. I hope it does. I feel sorry for the outfitters up there. That fucking sucks. And you know what? Here's the thing. It doesn't affect anybody's business in America. If you're an American outfitter and you're enjoying this, you're not helping yourself any. There's nobody going up there that's going up there instead of going to hunt with you. They're going to hunt two different times or three different times. It's a pre-kicker for the rest of the year. It kicks everything off. And I feel sorry for them guys up there. It's a bullshit deal. But I think about, like, our government, they don't give two shits about us. And I damn sure don't think the Canadian government, they really don't care about the people in the middle. They're, they're all, their bread's buttered in Toronto and Vancouver and those big cities. They don't give two shits about the little people. And so I just, I just do not think it's going to happen. I hope it does, but I don't. I mean, hell, it's June 15th right now. Next week's the announce, or next week's the deadline or some shit like every that. Every 21st, the, the 21st of every month, they release it. It's going to be shut down another 30 days. And then the, then it's going to be July 21st. And then, yeah, then, then, uh, when, then when, the, when they point. come, yeah, and then in September 21st, when they come out and say, we're not going to be open until October, then everybody's going to finally say, well, fuck, it's going to be next year again. Right. Yeah, yeah. Valid point, like you said. Like this is their big tourism season and fishing and everything. So if they're not going to open now, why are they going to open in winter when everything's closed down and and everything anyway? But yeah, it does suck for those for those outfitters, small businesses that rely on a lot of hunting people to come up and keep keep restaurants and all that kind of kind of stuff open. You know, it is it's sad to see and 
I hope you're really wrong about the, you know, having to go hunt with an outfitter kind of like Mexico is because as a freelance hunter, you know, more and more people are gobbling up land. There's a lot of people that are running their own little private clubs and everything else. So as a freelance guy, um, it's, it's, uh, it's getting tougher and tougher and, and Canada still has that opportunity for, you know, guys like, like myself. So maybe you'll run into a real nice guy like that fat guy in Oklahoma that tried to help you that time that's right that's right yeah that's that was uh that was uh very nice of you to uh because we you know we we had a tough couple days when uh when uh, we got there and uh luckily we did find one place in in the center of of uh outfitter world down there that uh that we got to hunt but uh yeah called you up and we were wanting to shoot some geese and you're like just just hop in the blind with poppy and zach and uh we were super appreciative of of that and uh we had a great, great hunt and a great day. So uh, there's a lot to be said for, for an outfitter like yourself. Uh, well, I was just messing with you about that part. But but it's hard to find places to go. And I had a, I had a guy at Squad Fest was telling me that. And I told him, I said, listen, you need to go to places out of the beaten path. You've got And, and Hobart used to be one of those places. It's not no more. You know, I told right. him, I said, you need to try – well, th- this is going to make the Colorado people mad, but <laughs> go to fucking middle of nowhere in Colorado. Find a map and find a place where there's no big cities and put you a pin down somewhere and go there and, and go that place and build you a circle of friends. It may take you three or four years, but that's the only way you're going to get in because you're not going to get nowhere in Kansas right now around any of them refuges because there's 27 freaking outfitters in every county now. You're going to have to go sure. somewhere way, way, way out of the way. What was your place in the, that you ruined for everybody, Andy, in Colorado? <laughs> Alamosa. <laughs> Alamosa. Yeah, you're going to have to find Lots a place like that. Lots of bands out there. Yeah. A lot of bands. A lot of bands. And, and, but that's what it's going to take to get on places. But Canada, man, I'll tell you what, I saw a lot of birds. And I, I feel sorry for it. Man, can you imagine the town of Quill Lake? Those people built a business relying on September and October hunters forever. Yep. And, and their government's backing out on them on this deal. Um. Nick Costas, he's got he's starting to place up in Canada, but he said even if Canada is open this year, he's not taking outfitters up or he's not taking clients rather. Just, just he he's just gonna go enjoy it himself. He's gonna figure it out, and it makes a lot of sense because he's like, I've never you know I just bought these zones last year. He's like, so I I don't want to have a bunch of clients and me still learning an area. So it makes a lot of sense, but it, you know, and it's just it's getting to be so late in the game. If they push it another 30 days and let's say in July they announce that it's going to be open, I just, there's a lot of moving pieces that you've got to have as an outfitter that you've got to, uh, to get done in six weeks. And I just, I just don't, I, if, they don't, if they don't open it in June, it's going to be tough for a lot of guys to, to get work visas and, you know, have clients get airlines and, and just everything. I just, I, I can't see it happening. If it doesn't happen this month, I don't. I don't see how any outfitter can can work fast enough to get to salvage their season if they if it opens in July or definitely August. But have you been to Canada before? We have, yeah. I've been to Saskatchewan and Alberta, um, and like you like you were saying, just trying to get out of those those areas that are kind of heavily pressured with other hunters or outfitters or whatever. And we've uh, you know we've found some of those areas, and over the years of traveling, we've we've. Uh, uh, got some good contacts that we go back to farmers and stuff. So that's helped a lot. But yeah, uh, that's why I said, I mean, if I got a quarantine for a month to get into Canada, that's fine. Like I just want, <laughs> that's, that's the spot to be. So, um, whatever it takes. What do you, what do you, uh, you give them a bottle of bourbon or something? Bottle of bourbon. Uh, a lot of them are farmers. So, uh, between like being down here and being in the, in the ag industry, I'm a, I'm a grain trader. So, uh, seed salesman, uh, just talking with those types of people, seeing what's going on, how's life, how's the farm, how's the crop, um, just stuff like that. And then, yeah, obviously, booze always works. So, <laughs> I think a lot of guys were for a while were taking them like tobacco. I guess tobacco's in, insane up there. So, I bought were. a can of Copenhagen Long Cut the day we left Canada because I ran out. Thirty-eight bucks Ooh. for a can of Copenhagen. What yeah, is it was, here? Uh, that was two years ago. Is that what you asked? What is it here? How much? Oh, six bucks can. Ooh. Yeah. 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 Spendy stuff. Bad habit. Yeah. I know a lot of guys, they would, uh, you know, smuggle it across the border a little bit more than they can probably were allowed to carry across. And then that that was, you know, give them a sleeve or something like that as a, 
as a token of their appreciation. But Canada's a nice place, um, you know, no matter what I say about it. It is uh, – it's a very unique place, and I'm – it's 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 just it's just uh, it's a shame what's going on up there. But if, if yeah, it's, it's if one it, of those places that's still wide open. You know, it's that you have some freedom as a waterfowl hunter to go up, and there's opportunity um, everywhere up there still. You know, like I'm sure North Dakota was the same. You know, ten twenty years ago, right. uh, where you could go up and free range, and and you had a lot of opportunity. And you know, there's a lot of places that are getting overrun now, and. Um, you know, whether it's drying up potholes from the farmers or outfitters or other, other hunters that are locally, you know, just taking over. So Canada is just one of those last spots, uh, that you can go and, and really get after it. So have you gone to Colorado? Never been to Colorado. No. Um, kind of hunted all the way up and down the Pacific flyway and a lot of the central and some of the Mississippi flyway, but have not been to Colorado. You know, uh, the can when we were in Canada, we didn't even run into another outfitter or another group of hunters. We were way, way up north, though, but we didn't run into a lot of people. But North Dakota, we hadn't been in North Dakota in three years. We went back-to-back years. The second year there, it was a whole lot more crowded than it was the first year. I'm betting you this past year was a real cluster Oof. fucking North Dakota. I mean, it had to I be. I can't imagine. And, just, and now it's dry there this year. So it's really going to be a cluster fucking there as it's cold in water if Canada isn't open. If Canada's open, it's going to be a. If Canada opened up with no with no uh, no quarantine, my fat ass might even go up there in October. <laughs> yeah, that's. I can't imagine North Dakota just like trying to put myself in the in a farmer's shoes. If you have your land posted, I can't imagine the amount of phone calls they were getting. Oh my you know, god! People trying to people trying to get on, and then if people did get on. You know, it like you said, it only takes one guy to ruin the whole program. They go out and rut the field or leave a bunch of trash. Like, and and a lot of those guys up there are, are deer hunters, so they don't want you, you know, shooting guns on it. And it's gotten a lot harder over the years up there. It's uh, it was kind of a hidden gem for a long time, and now people are traveling and doing other things. So we almost need Canada to open just to relieve North Dakota a little bit. I wonder. I get. I don't know if I dreamed this or I saw it, read this. Are they going to have digital trespassing now, where you can go online and you can mark your property as not uh, that you can't hunt it instead of having to worry about all the purple posts and stuff? I, I, maybe I dreamed it, but I thought that North Dakota was going to that where you get on, you could go online and pull up a county map, and it shows you all the property that's posted now. That wouldn't surprise me. It with with uh people coming up and like you know landowners getting pissed and stuff i i would not be surprised if they go to a program like that because every time i'd go by and i'd see a a sign that guy says this land is posted no means fucking no well that's first guy i want to call just to piss him off hey do you (laughs) mind if we hunt over there you know this says right here north dakota landowners are now able to post their land electronically the 2021 legislature legislature passed a law making electronic posting equal to physical posting and penalties and defining offense. It also allows only lawful hunters and anglers to access fenced, unposted land for hunting and fishing activities only. That's going to change the game. So is that, uh, is that, are you, I wonder if it'll be like on X, if, you know, when you look at the property, like on an on X type app, or maybe even North Dakota might even sell their own app if it'll yeah, just say no no hunting here. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they want to link up with OnX or something since so many people use that these days uh, to put it on there. But I almost bet they would probably come out with their own app or something. That's great. I also saw that the Packers are going to have uh, electronic tickets. There are no physical tickets anymore. I just me, we're going to a baseball game, believe it or not, next in two. Well, weeks. you sure folded on that, didn't you? I got really good seats. They're on the floor. Oh, I, they've always been good well, seats. Well, but are, you said you weren't going to go for it. I'm not paying for them. I, I understand that, but you're but, still you still said you would not go to a Ranger game. Well, These, the seats we've known what the seats are going to no, be. No, for no, two no, years. no. These ain't the family seats. These are someone else gave us some seats that are on the floor. They got it. They got some seats that are fl- you're at the field level. You're with I the know. players. Pose, he's always. I don't told want to say that. his name. Now people are going to be looking him up trying to get his tickets. Flip flop flow. Okay. Anyways, the tickets that he sent me. Mm-hmm. That's what he did. He sent me a link. I had to download an app, mm-hmm. and the seats. The, the tickets are on my phone. I just walk up our parking tickets and everything. And right. Do it. So I think they're all going to that now. But it's a uh, Texas has its own app. 
I didn't realize this, and I'm sure Arizona does too. You can buy a hunt license and all sorts of stuff on it. But I'm assuming North Dakota is going to have it to where there's just like a big old map you pull up. But, but I mean, that'll take a lot of the guesswork out. It will. Yeah, that'll – I mean, you're, you're going to know what you can and can't go hunt. And that's – I would almost – rather have that and you know if you find a, a, a field full of birds instead of trying to chase a guy down all day and kind of putting off another scout trying to bank on that you at least know hey we can't hunt this or hey there's maybe a chance we can get on it so yeah like i said take a lot of the guesswork out i don't know why the state of north dakota hasn't cashed in on this deal and said listen here's what we're going to do we're going to provide an electronic plethora of information for you here with all the fields you want to go in and do this, you got to slide a, car, a credit card in. It costs $100, and you do it, and they send that money to them farmers. They take it off their taxes or something at the end of the year. Since well, they, you're just all about fucking the poor little guy, aren't you? Would you not pay $100 to guarantee you a field if you wanted to? What are you talking about, though? I don't understand what you're saying. If you want to reserve that field, it costs $100, and you just pay the state the money, and the state can take it off the guy's taxes. They don't let them lease their property out, do they? In North, in North Dakota, Dakota, they're not allowed to lease their property, are they? Ooh, I'd have to look that one up, too. Um, Same with Canada. Canada, they can't lease it out. They'd be better to do that. As a do-it-yourselfer, if it costs $100 to have field trespassing for a group of guys, you'd pay $100, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. See, yeah, that's, that's not feed, we would. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I'm saying. But if you got eight guys and you're paying 12 bucks a piece, what's it matter? You know, sure. and you're guaranteeing you're the only person there. It's the same thing they do with these blinds. Some of them blinds and some of these federal refuges cost 50 bucks or something. Yep. You're just all about making it harder on the on I'm the not making guy. it harder. I'm making it easier. What about if it's just a, a father and a son up there and they're already kind of tapped for resources and now all of a sudden they got to pay $100 well, then to go be hunt, able to hunt? Then, then go hunt some public water somewhere. I'm not trying to cut anybody out. I'm just trying to make it easier so there's not 14 groups going to the same field in the morning and it's a big fucking wrestling match. Sure. We've done that before too. Like like you said, father-son type type people. Not a lot of experience waterfowl and they're like, you know, day six of a trip and just they've shot a, a mangled up looking, you know, gander or something and just really struggling. We'll be like, hey, just, just come jump in the blind with us for the day or, or whatever. So, yeah, you hate to see guys up there, especially like that, like like a father-son that have like, this is their big trip for the year, not a lot of cash, like at least get them on, on, on one good thing because anyway, yeah, it's it's been interesting like meeting some of those people along the way too. There's a lot of people that travel hunt that really still don't, you know, not not to say that we're hardcore or anything, but they just don't necessarily know the program of how, how to scout, you know, how how to do that kind of stuff they're just like go set up next to a pothole and mm -hmm. because they're in north dakota they think they're just going to shoot the world you know that's, and uh doesn't always work out but that's exactly right they hunt on lake smith right outside of town they're the only people that hunt on it they go out there and they kill six seven ducks every time they go a variety of all kinds of ducks every once in a while they get lucky and shoot some mallards and they think shit let's go to canada it's all gonna be mallards it's gonna be an easy hunt canada and north dakota are not easy hunting if you don't know what the fuck you're doing no, there's way too of, much competition from the, from nature itself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's not easy on these trips. Like, I mean, I can't. How many dollars of of tires and mm -hmm. broken shit, you know, hunting equipment that we've spent? I mean, I think I think all the money I've made in the last ten years is is uh, in the waterfowl <laughs> or fuel, you know, trying to find waterfowl or something. But yeah, it's not easy. Not especially it's it's not your backyard and. You're 2,000 miles from home. It's it's not easy. Well, everything's just so spread out up there, you know, and I mean, it just, there's so much water, you know, you drive, you'll drive miles and you're like, ah, the fucking water, it, that should have a bunch of birds on it and it doesn't, but it's just, everything's just so spread out and um, scouting, like you said, fuck, you'll burn down the roads. If you're going on a, you know, a week long trip, you better have two, two solid days of scouting or maybe even three. You know, to, yeah. to make sure that you got your, make sure you got enough places to where you can feel like you can pull off a good hunt. Sure. Yeah. I mean that we've, we've skipped out on, on hunting a couple days of a, a mediocre hunt yeah. to find that one good one, you know, and that's, that was worth it because we didn't, you know, we could have sat in the blind and shot eight, 10 birds and, you know, singles, pairs, whatever, but we wanted to find that big one that was going to be a grand slam. And sometimes you got to give up a day or two of hunting to just keep, keep on going. 
Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Um, so shit, we're we're mid June. We don't have much longer now. We're gonna find out if Canada's open, and then I mean, really, the best days of the year are coming up in a hurry for us. Coming up in a hurry. It's hard to think about when it's 117, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it'll it'll be here before you know it. So I'm I'm definitely getting excited for Arizona. Um, uh, I was just gonna say something about like our decoys and stuff here. You know, early season we've run pretty much all dive bombs now. I have way too many dollars in full bodies in my garage and whatever. I don't know what the hell to do with them. Just a nice centerpiece, I guess. But, uh, you know, early season we'll run 10, 15 dozen dive bombs. And by the end of season, December, January, we'll be running 50 to 50 to 70 dozen mallard, pintail, widgeon, silos. So, um, we get a lot of widgeon here. That's kind of when I, when, our true migration happens or what I think of the migration here is when those big, big wads of widgeon get in. And, um, last year was our biggest number of pintails I've ever seen in my life between three of us. Um, you know, that kind of really hunt a lot together. We killed around 30, you know, and at one bird, a guy, you know, <laughs> not, you know, it takes a lot to get that a lot of cinnamon teal, but, um, anyway, I just wanted to throw that little detail out. So you, uh, are you field hunting these ducks most of the time? A lot of the time, I hate hunting water. Uh, I I don't like to get into waders unless it's a really good spot. Um, And it's with Arizona being how it is, you know, a place that you had 10 good hunts the year before might be dried up next year. So it's it's a constant movement, just like a river uh, is always moving. So um, I always just try to find big bodies of water, and there's some that are that are always there, whether they were a mine or whatever that will hold big numbers of ducks. And I just try to scout and get in between them and they're in, in the field, or if I can get into the field they're feeding in, then, and that's where I'll hunt. So you have primarily duck decoys or you also have goose silhouettes? Oh yeah. We've got a hundred something dozen DB. We'll, we'll throw anything, but yeah, uh, we out here, it's mainly just ducks, but um, every once in a while we'll get, we'll get some Canada's in there. We get a lot of Canada's that come out of like Salt Lake area, but you know they're all on the golf courses hanging out and and uh, all that stuff so they don't move very move very far but we'll get into some geese every once in a while did you buy any decoys at squad fest i didn't i didn't i uh we've we've uh we've had a decent spread between the three or four of us um previous to previous to all this and obviously we were flying home so we didn't want to we didn't want to buy too much yeah cuz I, I mean you had to take them that the day the next day didn't you yeah yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, didn't didn't bring anything home as far as that. So, but it sounds like you got a pretty sweet setup out there. So, yeah, yeah. it's fun. It's fun. It's it obviously has its challenges, just as you guys do when it gets tough there. You guys don't have winter birds are stale, whatever. It's the same way here. I mean, when it's good, it's good, and they're so sensitive to pressure here. Uh, you know, if you you get into a spot, you might be able to hunt them one two days of the week, and you got to leave them alone, or they'll be they'll be in Mexico the next day. So very pressure sensitive birds but when it's good it's it's a lot of fun here a lot of fun shooting them in in alfalfa fields or stuff like that you know we'll set up i I don't like to hunt out of out of uh layouts but you know if we're hunting bermuda or like if we can get into a cotton field um to be able to shoot over you know barley or alfalfa we'll do that but we hunt out of a-frames a lot of the times and um just kind of make it look like a big brush pile out in this alfalfa field and it seems to work well well, it's so much easier than dicking with those fucking layouts. Oh, oh yeah. how do how do you keep how do you get a dog ready in Arizona? It's 117 right now. Yeah, you don't. I, I've got. I don't have a dog right now. I did when I when I first started hunting here, and uh, and uh, wasn't really it hard to keep him conditioned. Yeah, you know, not a lot. You can't be outside, but uh, I don't know. That's my two buddies' problems now. They got the labs coming. I'm, I'm just going to be there for the hunt. <laughs> But I mean, I just, you can't, you can't do anything past about eight, nine o'clock with them. So, yeah. you know, and it's hot all the way up until dark, I'm assuming. Oh yeah. Like I said, it was 94 at 5 a.m. this morning when you I woke do, up. So it, it's hot shit. all, all times. Yeah. Like you can't do shit with your dog. You'd have to find a body of water be the only way. Sure. And, and I, I bitch about it being hot here, Jeff. And that's always my excuse. Yeah. I don't think Lou's seen outside. Has he seen the daylight? And what? He's got to take a shit, Jeff. I think he just does that at night when it's cool. <laughs> there, Lou will not go out in the rain or the heat. Yeah, he don't like the rain. Yeah. You open the door, he's like, fuck Spoiled that. Spoiled rotten dog. That's right. Well, 
hey, if you run into my buddy John, you tell him I said hello, okay? Absolutely. I'm sure I'll uh, I'll see him at a DU event or or something. I'll see him around, but I'll definitely definitely uh, pass the word on. And if you get up this way, you sure holler at us and let me know how Canada's going. If you get to go, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, great to finally meet you guys. Put a put a handshake to the you know the guys always here on the podcast and your faces and got to see Stoner and all those all those guys. So a lot of fun and uh, glad I got to meet you and be on here. It's a pleasure. It was a great, awesome. great, great weekend. And we're gonna go to Game Fair the second weekend. I think me and Andy are fixing to sit down and talk about that. I'm gonna get some airplane tickets bought and. Go do that and be another get-together, and I hope it's as much fun as Squad Fest. It's going to be a hard time to be as fun as Squad Fest, but hopefully it will be. Sure. Absolutely. Well, if it's too hot here, we might just fly in for it. We'll have another drunken weekend. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want to bring up Elevator Boy, but yes, that's true. <laughs> oh, gosh. He, yeah, he told me today, I, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to Jeff and Andy. He goes, oh, just, you can tell them whatever you want. Just don't tell them my name. <laughs> <laughs> so since we haven't mentioned any names uh, – <laughs> I guess we we can give a brief overview as to what happened. Can y'all we went, do that? Can we give a brief overview as to yeah. what happened? We'll just say the elevator story because yeah. that's funny. Y'all went to the gay bar with Logan Pyatt, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Just to sum up the weekend for this this in particular guy, uh, puked on the Uber Friday night, lost his water Saturday night, or lost his wallet Saturday night, got kicked off the plane Sunday night. So he had a really rough three days. But yeah, he, that was the same guy that. Uh, he unfortunately was uh, didn't quite make it to his room and uh, passed out in the elevator. The elevator doors were trying to close on him, and <laughs> yeah, it was a real rough three days for the guy. Is he sober yet? It's Tuesday. It, I, I talked to him this morning, and he's like, "Man, I've I got to really straighten some things up." Yeah, he's he's finally sober. I think his wife sobered him up more than anything. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he's he's uh, he's good and well. But yeah, he he. Uh, I don't know. He had a hell of a three days. Does he drink like that all the time? No, I think that he has a he has a young young baby. So I think he used to drink that way and thought he could keep keep on that program and uh, prove not to be. What uh, you know, there was another guy too there that a young kid that threw up in the bed. Yeah, with, that was, yeah. that was part of uh, yeah, that was part of uh, I don't know if he was with Pyatt or not, but oh, he was uh, the other side. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we we got to see pictures of that. We lot of lot of puke pictures from the weekend. <laughs> you know, Logan. I'm starting to wonder about old Logan. He's bad fucking news. Um, Andy got drunker than he normally does, and you threw up. I did. Uh, Tony tore his fucking elbow up and got a black eye or his his shoulder. Logan's burst some sack in his his elbow. He thinks. The elevator boy kept getting the elevator door closed on him. The other kid couldn't was was puking in his bed at nine o'clock at night. Well, I'm, I'm the, glad I don't drink much. The first night, Logan woke up in the parking lot. No, on the yeah. no, floor of the hotel. Floor of the hotel. Yeah. Y'all found him. No, no, he was outside the lobby, and, and some guys walked in, woke him up. He, he passed out. <laughs> I don't know if he was always out there, but yeah, it was, it was rough. Uh, Michelle, we got, back, we got back to the hotel, and Elevator Boy got out and puked right in front of the hotel, and somebody was standing there. They were like, Sometimes you just got to let the demons out. <laughs> See, I yeah. threw up, in my defense, I did not throw up that night. I woke up the next day, and, like, I was just like, I feel like shit. I'm going to, instead of fighting, because I don't like to throw up. It's like a last resort, and I, I kind of had a little bit of foresight, and I was like, I'm not going to feel like shit all day in that heat. I'm yeah. going to go make myself throw up and feel a little bit better. And it worked a little bit, and then I just got a headache. Just I could not drink enough water. Oh, that's fucking that's the only thing that saved me is, I guess, a uh, past experience with uh, being in those conditions and puking myself. I was just like, hammer a beer, hammer a water, hammer yeah. a beer. Just got to stay hydrated. So, yeah, he he was not on that program. He was. <laughs> the, that's why he had three rough days. The blue beer too. God, that just life's too short to drink drink cheap ass beer, and they sold twenty one fucking kegs of that shit. Bush, yeah, it's what it's what they lot. have there. Oh, it's what St. Louis is known for. I just, I just, mm. but it was, it was, it was a good time. It was a great time. Great, great time. Yeah, it was fun. It's fun all around and everyone was really personable and got to chat with everyone and the dive bomb crew, props to them. They were, they're all good people and take time out of their day and took time out of their busy schedule at the squad fest to, to say hi to you for four or five minutes. And it's cool. Well, Asher, he didn't talk to me much. He only talked to me for like 90 seconds once. (laughs) 
He's like, I don't know who's a bigger dickhead, you or Shanahan. I said, well, thank you. Good talking to you, Asher. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. He was, it was, they were very accommodating. It was a great time. Can't look forward to it next year. I sure hope they do it every year. Even the free water. Like, they had yeah. stations of free water and Gatorade and pizza. And, I mean, it just – how many shows do you go to? And it's like three bucks a bottle. I mean, right. So, like, just right. little things like that are, are what made it. You know, they, they went out of their way to make sure everybody got what they needed. Yeah, it was a great deal. They went way out of their way. I appreciate them. Hats off to Dive Bomb for putting on a hell of a show. So, it was a pleasure. Like like you said, though, it was a pleasure meeting you out there. I'm glad we got together, had a couple beers. And uh, if you guys come up to Game Fair, look us up, and we'll uh, – we won't go quite as hard, but we'll, you know, we'll do something. Absolutely. Yeah, great meeting you guys, and thanks for having me on. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll talk soon. If I ever get to Texas, I'll look you guys up, too. Awesome, bud. Will you be safe out there and, uh, you know, stay hydrated? Absolutely. Have a good day, guys. Bye. Thank you, bud. All right. Britt Morris. Good kid. Woo, it's good fucking kid. hot out there. 117. Yeah, but they ain't got no, no, no humidity. Oh. So it feels like it's 112 here, which would be hotter than hell today. Hot, hot, it, hot. All right, let's get off here. we got stuff to talk about. We'll talk about it on the next podcast, and we're going to just rant about the world. Okay. Well, then I say let's do it then. Check out all of our sponsors. Check out Die Bomb Industries. Check out Gundog Outdoors, Pacific Calls, Boss. Can't forget about Boss. Dirty Duck Coffee. Uh, Lucky Duck. Check out that new uh, dog kennel thing I was talking about. Looking Glass Duck Club Podcast, Eyesight Drone Service. Goose Creek Retrievers, Bangtail Whiskey, and Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. 